Hey friends, welcome to the Finding Hope podcast. I am Laura Jean Bell, podcaster, published author, and speaker. I love talking to real people with real, raw lives who are hungry to find hope in the big and the small moments of life. This podcast is for you. This is for the people who crave lighthearted, joy-filled, hope-producing conversations. It's for you if you're hungry for deep spiritual truths and water in your wilderness. It's for the tired, for the busy, for the growing and the waiting people who are hoping for good days to come. If you are hungry for truth in your story, I'm glad you're here. This is your place to find hope. Let's go find it together. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Finding Hope podcast. Today I have Fallon Lee, also known as Fallon Danae on Instagram. Um, I stumbled across, across Fallon's page a couple of years ago when I was looking for more ways to really heal my body naturally. And um, when I found her page, I found her podcast and then eventually found her cookbook. And it has been life-changing for me. Some of the things that Fallon has taught has been nothing short of a gift. So without any further ado, Fallon, thank you for being on the show with me. Thank you for connecting here. Tell everybody who you are and where you're from and all the things that you do. Well, first of all, thank you, Laura, for having me. This is such an honor to get to come chat. And we had some lovely pre-show conversations. So it's just so nice to get to connect with you. Um, I am Fallon Lee or Fallon Danae on Instagram, like you said. And I am currently in Dallas, Texas with my three boys and my college sweetheart that I married. And we have a beautiful life here. And I primarily exist in the Instagram realm Uh, Just helping women find food freedom, figure out how to navigate their relationship with food, step away from diet culture, step away from, um, you know, confusing health culture and really streamline how they want to eat, how they want to nurse their body and how to do that in a very attainable way. So that's kind of my mission and ministry in life right now is just to help women, um, you know, break away from food rules that really aren't serving us super well and, you know, figure out how to find just freedom and joy in cooking again, because I think that's a lost art. You know, we're so inundated with rules and regulations and you shouldn't eat this and you should eat this. And I think a lot of women just feel like they've lost the art of uh, cooking well and the art of, you know, finding joy in their recipe creation. So I'm here to help change that because I've gotten to do that for myself. Um, We We'll probably dive, you know, a lot into my story, and I can totally roll into that now if you want. Um, yes, but I, yes. you know, I, I want, live. I with... want you to share it. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Well, it's so you know, it's like how do I condense this story? It's so long, and I love to talk about it. But I lived for very um, many years with a lot of restrictions. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2015, right after the birth of my second son. And he and I both were just very sick. He had just full body eczema. Um, I, you know, had my fresh Hashimoto's diagnosis that, of course, in office, they were sort of like, well, here's some medication. You're never going to get over this. (laughs) Have a great life. And I think at the time, I just sort of took that and was like, I mean, okay, I don't really know what else to do. I had not been raised in like a holistic or crunchy home. You know, I just sort of took what my practitioner said and, you know, felt like, I mean, that was the best I was going to get. And then once my son got sick, it was this just wake up moment where it was like, oh no, something has to change. You know, I can exist in some dysfunction, 
but when you come for my baby, like we're going <laughs> to, we're going to figure something yep. out and make some changes. And so we just slowly started transitioning our life. You know, I started eating more whole foods and more organic foods and, um, you know, sorting through the toxins that were in our home and started making that slow change into a more holistic pursuit, you know, healing through food. Um, unfortunately, my sweet little one who was nursing had a ton of allergies. And so mm -hmm. we also got into this world of having to cut all these foods and, you know, eliminate dairy and gluten and, you know, all of the big allergens that you usually see with a breastfed baby. We started going down that rabbit yeah. hole of just cutting things left and right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And before I knew it, I mean, I had cut so many foods that it was like I was wasting away. My diet was wasting away. I felt like I couldn't get out of this just endless pursuit of trying to cut out more food and more food. And yeah. I had started getting into the world of like paleo, autoimmune paleo, which I think has some beautiful benefits. I don't want to discount that there are some really good foundations found in that pursuit. But Absolutely. I think I took it too far. And I think that there could have been some tweaks made along the way to where I didn't end up in this place of just extreme restriction. And so, you know, a couple of years in, I had cut out so many foods thinking that, well, surely if I just cut more and more and more, then my symptoms will go away because yeah. I had really just developed this mindset that I think really is present in the sort of paleo AIP world that your symptoms are directly related to a food sensitivity. And so if you right. locate that food sensitivity, get rid of that food, then in theory, you're going to feel great. Yeah. And it just never worked. You know, I, I would like eliminate the next thing. And then for a few days feel like, oh, I found it. Like I finally found the source of my symptoms and my inflammation. And it just kept going and going and going to the point where there was a season of a couple of years where I was eating between seven and 15 foods. And I'd like to say that was an exaggeration, but I mean, truly like I could count on, you know, two hands, how many foods that I could consume that I right. felt safe with. Yeah, And it just felt like, you know, it didn't matter how much bone broth I drank and how many foods I cut. I mean, I just could not make any progress. And so eventually I, um, <clears throat> I think I found through a nutritionist of mine, she had recommended this brain retraining program that when I first heard about it, it was kind of like, I mean, that might be a last resort. I feel like I can... I feel like I can figure this out. Yeah. And then years in, it was like, this is not something that I can just, you know, cut foods until I get out of. And so I, I did start this brain rewiring program and I realized how much my mindset had actually been affecting the way that I viewed food. And yet yeah. if I was constantly repeating this message to myself that, you know, food was making me sick, real food, not, you know, not even like the fake food that surely is making yeah. us sick. Like, I mean, real organic foods that I had just convinced myself, you know, that they, they were my enemy and that I couldn't thrive and eat, you know, X, Y, Z. And so once I started retraining my limbic system and my um, brain and, you know, really rewiring those pathways to teach my body, like food is good and, and yeah. you're safe. Um, the Lord used that in a really incredible way. And after my third son was born, I just had this beautiful burst of healing. I mean, I think I I had a pathway laid for me that the Lord had given me, you know, certain tools that really did skyrocket my healing. And then ultimately, I think the Lord was kind enough to just expedite that healing after yeah. my third son 
was born. And so after um, he was born, we had this, you know, beautiful, but very hard home birth. And after he was born, I mean, my body just, I found this freedom with food that I had never had before. Mm. And I always wonder, I mean, I think it was a, a divine intervention truly. And I think that I had also just done so many years of that groundwork of nourishing myself and, you know, eating whole foods and, you know, retraining my brain that I think my body was finally ready to just let go of all of those um, just notions that food was out to get me. And so after he was born, I was able to, you know, reintroduce all of these foods that I had been avoiding for years and years. And out of that, I stumbled into this, you know, what we kind of know is the pro-metabolic realm, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about in a bit. And um, once I got into that realm, I was just shocked that my badges of honor that I had worn for so many years that like, oh, I've been avoiding dairy and I've been avoiding, you know, tons of fruit and like potatoes. Mm -hmm. Like I wore those things as a crown of honor. You know, I felt like I had just achieved so much because I had the willpower to avoid all these things. And so once I found out that they may not actually be as harmful as I thought, I remember just being very offended. You know, when, when someone comes at these like core foundational beliefs you have around food, I think our knee jerk response is to feel like, how dare they? Like, I thought I was doing a really good job. And so once I first stumbled into this world, I really felt just shocked that all the things I had been doing had maybe not been the most supportive. And then once I kind of let down that guard and started actually evaluating the information, you know, at at face value, like trying to think critically, Mm -hmm. it, it just started to become so clear and obvious to me that why would this food that the Lord created that is, you know, it's present in scripture. Like we see milk in the Bible. Mm -hmm. We see bread in the Bible. And obviously our, you know, farming and our quality today is like, there's a lot of things wrapped up in that. But why would this food that has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years just suddenly be bad for me? And so, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't argue myself out of that. It was like, there was no logical reason that just overnight that, you know, these, these whole foods that have been present throughout all of history are yeah. suddenly just something that, you know, I shouldn't eat. Yeah. And then once I opened up my diet and started including a lot of those foods, my thyroid healed so quickly. I mean, I came wow. off my thyroid medication within probably a handful of months of just eating more, eating uh, foods that, you know, really were nourishing me on a cellular level. I mean, my healing just absolutely skyrocketed. Wow. And so... once I found that healing myself, I very much felt like other women have to know about this. Yeah. And I had been, you know, kind of existing in the Instagram and blogging realm for a few years, but I, my messaging was just, it was so all over the place. And I think that I wanted to help people, but it was, it was such a restrictive message because I was coming from a place of restriction. Right. And so a lot of my preaching, if you will, was trying to tell women, well, you need to cut this and you need to you know, do less of this and more of this. And it was very much not from a place of grace and freedom. Right. And I think once I came into this world of food freedom, you know, my heart and my messaging changed so much. And then I found that that really resonated with women, that like yes. women weren't looking for someone to come tell them to cut more things and, you know, eat more kale and eat less dairy, like that nobody really wants to do that yeah. at their core. And so once I found this place of, I think real truth and freedom, I, you know, started creating meal plans out of that. That was kind of my launch into 
um, the business world. And I kind of launched it as a passion project thinking like, well, this might be helpful to a few people. And, you know, if it goes anywhere, like, yay, but I'm just going to kind of do it. And then very quickly, I realized that this was, I think, what a lot of women were just waiting for someone to um, kind of give them the the freedom and approval to to do. Like, I think a lot of women yes. in our current world of restriction and diet rules and, you know, eat less and move more. Again, nobody really likes that. I think that all of us are kind of waiting for someone to come around and say, actually, no, you don't have to do this to be healthy. Yeah. And so I think once I started launching products and recipes that really made people feel like they still got to eat what they loved and know that they were nourishing their bodies, yeah. I mean, women just resonate with that, like like I did. I mean, I think women just were waiting for someone, especially in our generation, you know, our like yes. 90s raised generation that goodness grew up with so much like toxic you know skinny culture and diet culture I think so many of us in this sort of generation have found a lot of freedom and this idea that you can eat the food you love and you can still nourish your body yeah and so that's where all of this was birthed was just as a desire to see women not fear their food anymore and know that they're nourishing their bodies in the midst of really enjoying themselves. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that also like hit with our generation is like one end of the spectrum is like exercise more, eat less. And then the other side of the spectrum was like body positivity, eat 74 Oreos. It's okay. Stay Mm -hmm. fat and overweight and have heart disease and have type two diabetes and all of these diseases. Mm as long as you just like really love your body. And like, there was this part of me. So Fallon, I really can relate to a lot of your journey. I had stage three endometriosis and um, for years it was undiagnosed, right? Doctors were like, here's Mm -hmm. birth control, like no need for an ultrasound, no need to look deeper. Just take this pill and your period cramps will get better or just take Tylenol Mm. and lay down. I was very much brushed aside for the, chronic pain that I lived in. And with endometriosis and hormone imbalance, for anyone listening that's not really familiar, this also plays in a, a massive role in your gut health, in your joint pain, in um, your mental health, because your estrogen is so high, you actually feel like a lunatic. And um, <laughs> because your estrogen affects your brain, and it affects so many pieces of your body. But, um, but in that journey... I was doing a lot of the, well, every time I eat meat, it hurts my stomach. Every time I eat this, it hurts my stomach. I had my college roommates in town this past weekend and they were like, remember when you used to say like, I'm pretty sure that fried food gives me a fever. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I remember it because I would eat French fries and start shaking and my body would literally like... I felt like I had a fever and I never had a fever, but I would get so sick from two Mm. French fries. Like it would be crazy. And so I eliminated and eliminated, eliminated. I went completely vegan. I was the smallest I had ever been, right? More people were so impressed Mm. with how thin I was. Um, And I remember looking back at some of my wedding photos and I was the smallest. I'm five foot 11, just for perspective. I'm five 11, so I'm tall. Um, and I weighed 140 pounds on my wedding day, wow. which is the average weight for a girl that is 5'11 is 160. Mm. So I was 20 pounds lighter than the average 
weight of like actual optimal health, um, for a person my height. And I remember looking at my husband, like, look how thin I was as I was beginning to heal. And he looked at me and he was like, what I look at is how sick you were. Like you were so sick. You felt horrible and you were trying everything. And mentally it takes a massive toll on your body because you're so Mm -hmm. freaking stressed out. Like, yeah, what is it? And so that part of it is so, it was so hard to understand. But as I stumbled upon your page and Corey's page, I actually felt super offended at the way that (laughs) y'all talked about diet culture. I was like, oh, they're Uh probably like a bunch of weird, like Californians who were like, (laughs) diet culture is terrible, be obese and like feel, you know, good about yourself. And I was really judgmental. But then Mm. as I began to dive deeper, I realized like, I had done a lot to heal the endometriosis that I battled Mm -hmm. for years naturally. But the one thing that was not going away for me was hot flashes and, um, and kind of going in and out of shorter cycles, which is symptomatic of your estrogen being out of whack, but also your adrenals, um, being really under a lot of pressure. And I realized the more I listened and the more I opened my mind, I realized I was under eating And that I was so stuck there that you've got to move more, you got to do more, you got to eat less. And because that's what doctors told me. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, I remember a doctor telling me one time, I said, I don't want to get on birth control because every person I know that gets on birth control gets fat. And he said, it's because they (laughs) eat too much food. He said, women on birth control are just eating too much food. They just need to stop eating so much. And now... I feel like I could strangle him <laughs> for saying that. I'm like, no, right? you destroyed their hormones. You destroyed their mm-hmm. thyroid and their body was just trying to keep up and it couldn't. Yeah. And so as I was listening to y'all, this phrase, pro-metabolic, pro-metabolic, pro-metabolic kept coming up. What the heck does pro-metabolic mean? What does it mean to eat pro-metabolically? And what, how does it actually do good work for the body? Like, let's like get nerdy here. Let's get a little scientific Mm -hmm. here. Like your thyroid healed when you ate more food and Mm -hmm. not just more food that's packaged and whatever you were, you were eating whole food. You were just upping your caloric intake and your carb intake, which everybody says carbs are bad. My father-in-law said it to me the other day. He was like, well, I'm going to cut out all my car, you know, carbs are bad, but you don't want to eat too much fruit. And I'm like, eat right. all the fruit, you know? Um, <laughs> but tell, tell the audience, what is pro-metabolic eating? What does that mean? And mm-hmm. what is it actually doing to the body? And you can use your own symptoms. For example, you could talk about a person sure. who's got hormone imbalance, for an example. Tell us a little bit more about that. So pro-metabolic at the core is this pursuit of trying to eat the most nutrient-dense food that is going to absorb and digest the easiest in your body. And the reason that is very different from a lot of health pursuits is because pro-metabolic really does prioritize what is the most usable food. And one example that I like to give of this is that, you know, 
uh, plant foods, you know, things that, especially that, uh, that grow above ground, they have a lot of chemical components that make them a little bit harder to digest. And so on paper, if you look at something like kale or, mm-hmm. you know, spinach, the nutrient profile is pretty impressive. But the thing about above ground plants is that they don't want to be eaten. And so, you know, God designed them with these chemical components that make it pretty hard to digest if you are a human and you have one stomach, you know, versus like a grazing animal that they're supposed to live on, you know, green food and, you know, um, roughage like that, their bodies can actually digest that. And so pro-metabolic prioritizes things like like you said, ripe fruits, animal proteins, you know, mm-hmm. things that really do digest easily. Like you think about, you know, if someone's having, um, I don't like, like a tummy ache or something, you would, yeah. you would prescribe like cooked fruits and yeah. bone broth and soups, yogurt, yeah. things that digest really easily. Yeah. And pro-metabolic is built off a little bit of that principle that there are foods that our bodies really do well with on a cellular level. That yeah. means that our bodies can actually assimilate, absorb, and use those nutrients. Right. And not, you know, food has its place. Every single food I think that, you know, God created has its place in our diets and in our bodies. I think the problem with our modern, again, sort of skewed wellness culture, skinny culture, is that we have a really heavy emphasis on those foods that do have a lot of components that make them harder to digest, you know, like leafy greens that are just raw. You know, there's a big difference between like, I made this lovely soup that has bone broth and butter and, you know, some pastured chicken and then some kale in it. There's a big difference between that and like my entire lunch was a a kale salad that was raw (laughs) and had, you know, raw broccoli and raw this and that and the other. Um, A lot of people, you know, they try to pursue wellness and they end up eating all of these raw vegetables and they're like, my stomach is a mess. Yeah. Why can't I succeed in this? And it's like, you're not the problem. It's yeah. like our bodies were not designed to consume these foods in these massive amounts because we only do have one stomach. You know, we yeah. don't have that like four chambered process that breaks down those um, roughage, you know, those really like tough leafy greens like that. And so what we're doing with pro-metabolic food is trying to find, you know, how can we find the most nutrient dense foods that yeah. also... Um, we are eating in appropriate, historically honoring amounts. Yes. So, I, you know, I really love to bring like an ancestral, traditional um, take to my, you know, pro-metabolic approach. And so to me, that also means looking back historically. And, you know, I get that where you come from matters. You know, there are yeah. different trends geographically that do matter Um, I'm, you know, clearly of some European descent, like I'm from, you know, this area, generally speaking, and I, my ancestors would have been farming, you know, they would have been growing their own crops, they would have been, um, you know, probably um, tending to livestock, they would have had, you know, cows or uh, goats or pigs, and, you know, they would have been consuming dairy, and they would have been, um, you know, baking bread at home and they would have been, you know, growing things and eating in season. Yeah. And that's really important because I, you know, I always tell people like, I, I think of, you know, my own great, great, great grandma. I don't think she had a massive kale salad for lunch with, you know, light dressing and and no protein. They would have been eating things that were grown. You know, they would have probably had like potatoes, maybe a, a, you know, some, garnish um mm-hmm. in the form of lettuce or you know greens but they yep. wouldn't have been consuming these massive plates 
of just raw vegetables. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit triggering to a lot of people, myself included, because yeah. I was the girl. I mean, I literally have pictures of me with like this massive salad bowl yeah. that has like, yes. you know, probably no dressing. It's like kale, carrots, cabbage, you know, broccoli, and then like maybe some chicken, but there's no fat in it. Yeah. You know, there's little dressing, little seasoning or any flair. Mm -hmm. And I really was so proud of that. And yeah. uh, like you talked about, Laura, I mean, I just was crumbling. I was yes. so undernourished. I was way too thin. Um, and a lot of my symptoms, mm -hmm. I really think to, you know, circle back to this conversation of eating enough, it's like mechanics aside, I think a lot of my healing came through just eating enough. Because, right. you know, when we get into the conversation of um, energy production and, you know, consuming enough calories, we, you know, we learn in like elementary science and biology, like our heat production and our energy comes from our food and our fuel. Yeah. And yeah. so if we're freezing all the time and our body's not, you know, in a healthy, vibrant place, I think the very first place we can always look is how much are you eating? And this yeah. concept actually is really what my my meal plans and my business was birthed out of was this realization that, um, you know, again, because there are like actual certified nutritionists and doctors who are like, hey, you should be eating like 1300 calories a day. Yeah. Friend, I want to take a quick break to tell you about something that can change the game for you. Ladies, if you are experiencing hormone imbalance, painful periods, mood swings, low libido, depression, and maybe even an overload of stress, I have created a simple ebook to help you find balance in your life again. I spent seven years of my life living with undiagnosed endometriosis. I was debilitated with pain, and after 10 years of suffering, I finally decided to go on the path of finding a way to heal. I took three years of research and created a 55-page ebook to help women like you heal with food, movement, biblical truth, and peace. You'll receive a 30-day calendar with a step-by-step -step guide on what to do to heal, how to understand your hormones, what to eat, how much to eat, and learning to reduce stress in your life. All of this information is worth over $300, but I'm giving it to you today for $47, a steal. The link to the ebook is in my show notes just for you. And even if they don't say that number, you know, the, the plan that they're presenting to you is like primarily vegetables with very little, you know, fat and carbohydrates. And it's like, if you really sat and calculated that out, it would be very few calories. Right. Um, and if we look at, you know, just a standard chart of caloric needs by age, you know, lifestyle, activity type, 12 to 1300 calories really meets the requirements of like a young child. Right. Um, or a busy toddler even. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just next to nothing when you're a grown woman who's like hoping to have, you know, warmth in her body and possibly carry children and like produce, you know, hormones to keep your body regulated. Yeah. Because the thing about, you know, it, like you kind of brought up getting into the sort of scientific like hormone behind the scenes bit of it, our bodies really prioritize survival. You know, that's that's yeah. the main thing our bodies are prioritizing. And so when you have a woman who has started to, you know, she started to lose her hair, she started to be cold all the time, she started to have symptoms and inflammation and, you know, anxiety and, you know, all these different things that it can flesh out as just so many different symptoms. And it sounds like probably you and I both have run the gamut of what symptoms we actually have yeah. present. And the reason a lot of the time your body is doing that is because 
it is meeting the needs of survival, of keeping your heart beating yeah. and, you know, your organs like sort of functioning and, yeah. you know, keeping you alive. And so things like your hormone regulation and your hair growth and your body warmth, like those become secondary things because yeah. we're not meeting the basic requirements that our bodies have. Yeah. And so for me in my own journey, once I started, again, prioritizing enough carbohydrates because, you know, paleo, um, AIP, Whole30, they are very low carb, you know, whether they intend to be or not. It's when you look at a list of yes and no foods, most of the time you end up not prioritizing a lot of the carbohydrates because there's lots of questions around, you know, rice and potatoes and fruit. And I, yeah. I know people who very staunchly feel that that should not be, you know, a big priority in your diet. Yeah. And when we look at the, you know, the the chemical processes in our body, glucose, which is a sugar or form of carbohydrates, is our body's preferred source of energy. Our body yeah. can use fat and other, you know, things as sources of energy, but it's going to come at a cost. And so once I started, you know, eating really nutrient-dense carbohydrates, um, your thyroid really loves carbohydrates. I it feel does. like people want to buck up it. at that. Uh, truly, I, I people want to, I think, buck up at that. But I think the kicker is, you know, another big component of pursuing this, you know, metabolic healing um, route is that protein paired with your carbohydrates yes. is incredibly important. Yes. And I think, you know, to sidestep the carb conversation a little bit um, or to, you know, dive further into it, I think a lot of people see this issue with carbohydrates. And I don't think we're peeling back enough layers there. I think, right. you know, someone eats a donut in the morning, their blood sugar goes out of whack and they feel terrible. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's the carbs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's pause for a second because there's a lot of things happening here. Like one, did we have any protein? Um, two, you know, that donut is like loaded with, um, overly processed oils and enriched flour and just a bunch of junk. Yeah. Um, it's and actually so think, refined sugar, not a natural yes. form of sugar. It's refined. So it's going to do a whole mm -hmm. different kind of thing to you. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like yeah. totally different conversation. There are, you know, about 12 different things wrong and happening with this. But I think what people see as the easy answer is to say, oh, carbs and sugar are the problem. And I think yeah. that that has become just a palatable um, answer for people. And they're like, oh yeah, carbs and sugar are the problem. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, people have been consuming fruit and maple syrup and honey for thousands of years. Yes. The Bible says it. The Bible says the land Truly. of milk and honey. The land Truly. of milk and honey. It was the gift from the Lord. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, if we're going to peg anything, I feel like something that has like biblical significance is not like we're missing something. If that's the conclusion we yeah. come to is that it's like, well, these things must be actually bad. It's like, I think we're missing something. Yeah. Um, and so once I started to really understand you know, what was actually happening in my body instead of just kind of jumping to like, oh, carbs are the problem, sugar's the problem. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of layers here. And I think yeah. once you start to peel them back, there's some logic that comes mm -hmm. up and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was, you know, under this guise for so long that these things were not supportive when, when maybe I just needed to tweak the way that I was eating them or the sourcing or, you know, because again, yeah. there's a big difference between like a breakfast donut and like I had some potatoes with my eggs in the morning and some maple syrup in my coffee. Like that is hugely different than, yes. you know, I went to Dunkin' Donuts and got whatever. And then I felt bad. It's yeah. like, 
but but I think we've become so desensitized to kind of sorting through information on our own that we hear these statements and it just feels again like the easy thing to adopt so um I hope yes. that I answered any of your questions. And yeah. I feel like we could take this on so many rounds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, we totally could. And I think um, one of the things that I took away from y'all, it was like the last thing that I really incorporated um, into my life because I was so the person that woke up in the morning, drank two cups of black coffee mm-hmm. and ate around 1230 or one in the afternoon. And I would be shaking and anxious and mm-hmm. irritable and short fused with my kids and yeah. um, overwhelmed. And it was amazing. After I had my son, um, the the part of me that really struggled was was being able to to get okay with the time that it takes for the weight from pregnancy to come off. And mm-hmm. so this idea that that you and Corey really presented to the world, it felt like, which I'm sure there's a lot of other people that preach this message, but eat upon waking, wake up and eat mm-hmm. 30 grams of protein and have a nourishing meal and then have coffee, then have caffeine, then go about, you know, go about your day. And I, it took me six months of doing that every morning before I woke up hungry. Wow. Six months. And that is not like a mm-hmm. short time frame when you wake up and you're like, I am not hungry. I'm not hungry. And mm-hmm. that's symptomatic of adrenal fatigue and your body being under so much stress. But, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that happened, I, um, I, I healed my hormones and then I kind of, I, I say that the summer of 2022, I relapsed. Um, and what I mean by that is I was under so much stress and I wasn't nourishing myself the way that I should because I couldn't get the weight off. And my mind was so stuck in this cycle of I'm eating healthy, I'm moving my body, I'm doing all of the things and I can't lose the weight. And mm-hmm. um, and I, a doctor said to me, stop, like you need to eat before like you have coffee, like you need to learn how to like, let your body trust you. And Mm. I, again, was super offended because I was like, if I eat more, I'll gain more. And like, there's just Mm -hmm. no way. But when I started doing that, I had energy in the morning. I wasn't anxious. Mm. I started to lose weight. I started to be able to kind of see what was really the problem And I was able to see what was actually happening in my body that was hurting me. Because here's the thing, Western medicine, and I know that you know this, but like Western medicine is so isolated. It isolates the event. Mm -hmm. So like your knee hurts, they give you medicine to make your knee stop hurting, but then the medicine gives you heart palpitations. So they got to check your heart. Like (laughs) they don't look at the body as a whole. And Mm -hmm. when you start realizing that like, okay, your thyroid is out of whack, but like, why is your thyroid out of whack? Is it, is your thyroid the problem? Do you need thyroid medication or are your adrenals shot? Um, your cycles are short and, but is it because your progesterone is low or is your progesterone low because your adrenals are shot? You know, you start looking at the body as a whole function, the way that the Lord intended it. And you begin to undo patterns that are so Mm -hmm. toxic. So something very simple that I learned with hormones is that eating a high carb 
breakfast is not the best choice for me, whether mm-hmm. it's a bowl of fruit and nothing else, or it's a donut. Eating a high carb breakfast is not good unless it is paired with a high protein partner. And when you have a mm-hmm. high protein partner, you're probably going to have a little fat in that. So it's like the yeah. combination regulates your blood sugar, which loves on your yeah. adrenals and it loves right. on your thyroid <laughs> and it does all of these beautiful things. And it's so simple. But for me, like you're like, I did paleo world and I was like, carbs are bad. I did vegan mm-hmm. world and I was like, animal products yeah. are bad and everything right. animal is bad. And I was, I had no protein. I had no mm-hmm. protein in my diet. I was skin and bones and I yeah. pooped around the clock. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was like scary. Like when people are like, you need to poop. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really know that mine is it's quality. Um, I think it's right. my body is freaking <laughs> out. Um, yeah. but there was so many things that like I was missing. And when mm-hmm. you just slowly say like, I having a doctor look at me and say like, your body needs to believe you. Like it doesn't believe you. It believes that it's running from a bear and really mm-hmm. it's just starving and right. so like you're not hungry because your body is stuck running from a bear and it's mm, trying to keep yeah. you alive. Like you're not going to easily get pregnant when you're running from a bear. Mm. <laughs> and it's like yep. very, it's little things like that. Like your cycle is not going, my cycle went down to 18 days. So like you are looking wow. at a person who has a crazy short cycle, like your body is scared. And it needs to believe that it's safe. And I think that Mm -hmm. the biggest struggle for women is that we start running into that. And this kind of is like a little bit of a segue. Um, I thought that your description of pro-metabolic was beautiful. Um, Thank you. Because there's a difference between um, overeating things that are not made for you to eat, um, like glyphosate Mm -hmm. and chemicals that are all in packaged everything. Um, and I always say to women who are starting out, I'm like, just buy organic milk at the store. Like, it's okay. Right. Take your time. Like when uh-huh. you start panicking and jumping in the deep end, you are going to get worse. You're not going to get better. Uh-huh. Um, but when you're learning, okay, this is nourishing me. This is good for me. It's okay to have like ample amount of meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. and a green on my plate. It's okay to have Mm -hmm. fruit. It's okay to have these things. Um, But we have become so obsessed with calorie over quality and, um, and really skinny over well. And Mm -hmm. um, man, you, you can have a beautiful, amazing weight that is normal and healthy and thriving. Um, (laughs) For by eating whole foods, like it's, but I, yeah. so I'll, I'll give a small example. I did the Octavia diet. Um, and that was after I had my son and everyone around me was like, I breastfed and lost 40 pounds. And I was like, well, <laughs> I did too. And I gained 15. So thank you right. for your uh, wonderful advice on weight loss. Right. <laughs> and I had multiple friends who were like, oh yeah, I dropped like 20 pounds. I did Octavia. And for example, Octavia is this food program that literally like gives you fuelings. So it's like hundred calorie fuelings that you get like every three hours. 
And then at the end of the day, you can have a green and a certain number of ounces of protein. And wow. you do this. And when you actually look at the whatever, like you're getting about a thousand calories, maybe 800 a day, maybe uh-huh. when it's all said and done. And I did it and I knew it was not good for me, but I was like, I've got to get this weight off. I dropped 12, 15 pounds in about a week and a half, two weeks. And then, um, I gained 20 back. (laughs) And so I, um, but when that was happening, I had anxiety attacks and Mm -hmm. I started really struggling. Like my periods got out of whack, like all of these things started happening And, um, but all of the weight came back and this is Mm -hmm. where I finally was like, this is what diet culture does. And it was like, finally where I looked at it and I was like, okay, I am looking at skinny. I am not looking at well. And if I can Mm -hmm. become well, I will become a manageable, beautiful weight. I will be the Mm -hmm. weight that God created me and needed my body to settle into and so I kind of want to break this down just a little bit with yeah. diet culture and the church. And I know this is like kind of a strange, strange segue in a little bit, but I recently went to a women's conference and the worship leader got up and mm-hmm. she, um, she's, <laughs> she gets up and starts by saying like, I've been singing and leading worship for most of my life. And I heard somewhere that the more you sing, the more weight you'll lose. So I guess I need to be singing a lot more. And she makes this very self-deprecating comment about herself. She was like a curvy woman, but like no one, no one watched her walk on that stage and thought, wow, she's really fat. Right? Like Mm -hmm. no one was looking at her thinking that. And she took it to that level. And I've noticed that there is this, there is a culture even within Christianity of like, Mm -hmm. you aren't caring for your temple if you are doing X, Y, if you aren't doing your best, mm-hmm. if you're this, or it's the polar opposite. And all they do yes. is make jokes and overindulge in this mm-hmm. like disgusting American, Americanized way of just being like, indulge potlucks, like all of the right. things. Where is the balance? I kind of want to yep. hear your perspective on diet culture alone. I feel like I've rambled on for a minute, but diet culture alone and the church and like really what mm. does diet culture do because a lot of people right now are on Manjaro. I've seen every mm-hmm. woman around me is on what is it? Ozempic, Manjaro, it's the shots in right. the stomach, and they're losing weight like crazy. And it's becoming mm. this fad of, well, when I take it, I'm not hungry, so it makes me skinny. Um, and it's very hard to because people are so impressed. They're so impressed sure. that you're so thin. How did you do it? Um, and it's, it becomes this, again, like you said, the badge of honor. I used to mm-hmm. wear being a vegan as a badge of honor that I was so restrictive that I was so self-control, right? Like it's a yeah. fruit of the spirit, but what yeah. is <laughs> like, it's not when it's starvation, you're not teaching mm-hmm. anybody, anything powerful by teaching them how to stay skinny, um, instead of yeah. how to be well. So I would love to hear your take on diet culture which is much different for all listening diet culture versus body positivity, body positivity culture is not what I'm talking about in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about diet culture. So let's break this down just a little bit. Yes. I mean, I think your story was such a good 
summation of what, you know, diving into a diet and diving into diet culture can do because it is a cycle, right? Like diet culture is not something that is sustainable. And you see, you know, there's a stat floating around somewhere that like 95 to 99% of diets fail. And what that is really trying to say is that people, you know, get on this bandwagon of I'm going to eat this, not eat this. They lose weight, fall off of it because it's the worst and not fun and not sustainable. <laughs> and then they gain it the weight the back. Worst. It's the and worst. And so, you know, one... The worst. And so that's, you know, first of all, how people are defining like failure is that like, okay, you're not committed to that, you know, list of foods. And then you do gain the weight back. And I mean, you just, you really hardly ever see someone who has said, okay, I'm going to do, you know, Weight Watchers or insert whatever diet for the rest of my life. And I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to feel good. It doesn't usually happen. Either they can't sustain it because, again, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. You feel like you're missing out all the time. Um, And if someone does kind of stick to it, there's usually some sort of binge, cheat day, whatever involved. Because, again, it's not sustainable long term, both in terms of enjoyment and in terms of caloric intake. Usually these plans are like between a thousand, you know, if not fewer (laughs) calories and like 1500 calories. And so your body, you know, there's this big stigma around binging and it's like, there can certainly be a, uh, you know, mental component and like a lot of things happening there. But for a lot of women who are like binging on a Saturday night, it's because you didn't eat enough that week. You didn't eat enough that day. That's Mm -hmm. your body trying to make up for the lack of nutrients that you've given it beforehand. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as an aside, I feel like if someone has consistent binging and I'm not talking about like getting into eating disorder realm like I just kind of mean you know that that refuel that we feel so bad about when you know come the weekend when it's like oh my gosh I had three brownies but like piece by piece instead of having just a whole (laughs) brownie because women do this and it's like maybe stop and evaluate are you eating enough so that's an aside but you know diet culture just it's just not sustainable I mean it, it doesn't matter like what realm you get into and I also think there's an important distinction between diet culture and eating real whole foods. Yeah. And I, you know, try to make this, and I feel like you touched on this too, Laura, but I try to make this distinction so often that like my choice to eat, you know, real whole unprocessed foods and to make most things at home. And, you know, yes, we have a one-off where we go out to eat and yes, we have one-offs where, you know, I buy a snack that's not on my like daily list of things I would consume, but is maybe not. You know, I also have boundaries of like, these, you know, these things on this list are things that like, I just don't consume period. Yeah. That's not a diet. That is choosing to, um, again, back to this. I know we kind of said it in a cliche way, but like honoring the body that God gave me, like I'm choosing to put certain things into it that are, uh, nutritious and, um, you know, came from the earth in some form or measure. It wasn't, you know, a microwave meal that I heated up that has like yes. unpronounceable ingredients. Like those are very, very different things. Yeah. Um, and to kind of tie in like this idea with the, you know, how the church has sort of approached this idea. My nine-year-old said just the most, like just the sweetest, most insightful thing the other day, he was talking about how um, something along the lines of like, how come people choose to put junk in their body when God made these like really good nutritious foods, like, isn't it sort of dishonoring to put those junky things in our bodies? And I was like, I mean, from the mouths of babes, like, (laughs) 
I was like, yes, this is exactly, I mean, like my nine-year-old can see this, that there is a big difference between, you know, choosing to honor what God has created. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I I don't see that as diet culture where Mm -hmm. that's on the opposite spectrum where you're just, you know, basically, I think the root of diet culture is that it's fueled by weight loss. And so I think, you know, if you want to step back and evaluate Am I pursuing wellness or am I pursuing skinny culture? Yeah. You can kind of find your answer in like, okay, are the foods that I'm eating because I know that this, you know, potato has potassium and, you know, good carbohydrates. Like I'm eating it because I know that it has nutrients that are going to fuel my body. And I'm eating it alongside this protein and fat because I know that's what, you know, my blood sugar and my, my hormones want. Or am I eating this food in front of me because I think it's going to help me lose weight or stay thin? And I think once you start to ask yourself that question, you're going to find the response comes pretty easily. Yeah. Um, And there are, of course, things to kind of wade through. Like I lived, again, in this realm for, you know, five years where I thought that I was pursuing health. And I I really, really believed that. I, I fully believed that my you know, mounds of kale and broccoli and whatever else. I I really thought that that was pursuing health. We know better, we do better. You know, there's, I I think that um, once you decide to start pursuing real whole foods, there's a lot of grace in that. Um, And then in terms of the church, goodness, I feel like each of these topics could just be like a whole thing on its own. But I, I mean, you're just exactly right. I wanted to amen you as you were talking about the church kind of existing in this space of it's either you know, we're Southern Baptists and we have a potluck with a bunch of junk food and the youth group has pizza every, you know, Wednesday night or whatever, or on the opposite end of the spectrum is this sort of like, I don't know, hoity-toity, like skinny culture type thing where, I mean, I just see so many women in the church who just, you know, you can tell that they've tried to like be a runner for 20 years and they're trying to diet Mm -hmm. and they're trying to do all this stuff in the name of, you know, honoring their body. And it's so hard to find like where's the middle ground where we truly honor the body that the Lord gave us and it's like my my dear sweet husband reminds me frequently like our bodies are dying it's just the truth like it is what are we pursuing at the end of the day because our bodies every single day are deteriorating outwardly we're wasting away inwardly we're being renewed day by day like this is a biblical concept and so you know wherever we fall on the spectrum it's like the core of the issue is where are we putting our hope and our yeah. identity? Because if it's in, you know, either eating a bunch of junk or yeah. that we're like trying to, you know, basically skirt around death and illness because we're doing everything perfectly, like there's an idol that exists there somewhere. And I think yeah. it, the church has just such a long way to go in terms of handling this the right way. Yeah, And I don't, you know, I'd like to think we would see it in our generation and lifetime but the truth is there's just so much to be undone and sorted out and so I think you know people that are trying to bring this conversation to light like this is important work that we do address that God cares about the food we eat he cares about you know how we're nourishing ourselves um it's not the ultimate thing but it does matter what we are you know consuming and um, so it's just, it's such a loaded conversation it and is. I feel like a lot of work needs to be done still. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that you were talking so much about, <laughs> about the conversation of like, you're not doing Weight watch like you fall off Weight Watchers, you fall off of these mm-hmm. things because it isn't fun. Um, right. 
I had a family member that was doing, um, the, oh my goodness, the slow carb. Um, it's where you basically don't eat carbs all week. And then on Saturday, mm -hmm. this diet says like, eat everything, like eat macaroni, <laughs> eat donuts, like just like flood oh your body gosh. with like trillions of calories of like everything that is indulgent and horrible right. for you. Um, and it like resets your metabolism. Um, and then it helps you lose more weight when you cut the carbs back out on Sunday. And like mm -hmm. this kind of it's, and people lose weight like crazy. Oh, sure. On this diet. And, um, I tried it, but you know, when I tried it, <laughs> I tried it three days before I started my period. And oh my gosh. <laughs> so what happens? I'm like starving. I'm starving. Mm -hmm. I'm not eating any carbs with my protein, any car, like, and I'm flooding. I'm just eating, eating, eating. And finally, mm -hmm. um, I was like, I can't, like, I feel horrible. And, um, yeah. and I went to Walmart and I got a bag of cherries and I, and two beef sticks and I sat down and I ate it together and I felt like a different person. Wow. It was yeah. like amazing what happened. And it's just, it's unbelievable. The reason it's not sustainable is because it's not sustainable. Like period. Mm -hmm. Like you will watch people lose a hundred pounds and gain 150 because they can't, yeah. your brain is like, I'm starving. Like, please feed me, feed me. And when you learn to just mm -hmm. pair whole foods, the way that they're supposed to be paired together, like your protein, I didn't understand macros. Like when people would talk about sure. macros, I was like, what the heck does that even mean? What is a macro? Yeah. But when you start looking at your food for macros versus calories, you're like, holy mm -hmm. smokes. Like yeah. I need 30 grams of protein per meal. Like I need a, I need a certain amount per snack. Like right. <laughs> this is wild and it's unbelievable what happens. And to give you a small story this past summer, I went to, um, see a functional doctor. I was just like, I need to see somebody who's like close to us. And so my husband and I went to see this doctor just to kind of have a person. And, yeah. um, he looked at my blood work and he was like, have you struggled to get weight off? And like, I was like, yeah, he was like, cause I'm looking at how you eat. I'm looking at the supplements you take. I'm looking mm -hmm. and like, you know, he was like, one of your complaints was weight loss. And I was like, yeah. And he literally was like, your body isn't producing testosterone. And so like, wow. you can eat enough of this, but like your adrenals are shot. Like this is what's going on. He was like, mm -hmm. you have done so much. Your adrenals, you feel better because your adrenals are about half at half capacity and they were mm -hmm. at zero. And he sure. started showing me all of these things. And within a month, I was, I lost like eight to nine pounds. I was eating 2000 calories. I was mm -hmm. lifting weights and going on slow walks. Like I was not doing hit workouts. I was, but like right. the weight began to fall off from one little tweak of understanding mm -hmm. the function of the body. I never under ate. I never like, and it was the first time where I was like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And then I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So that was cute. Um, so, <laughs> but it's amazing how we fall into the trap of just like, Oh my goodness. Like we have to be thin. We have to be thin. Mm -hmm. And if I eat 2000 calories of fruit and vegetables and high quality protein, I'm going to be chubby. And it's just not mm -hmm. true. It's just yeah. not true. And so I do want to talk a little bit, um, just in the next, like maybe five minutes or so of your time 
I have seen you share before and after pictures of your pro metabolic mm-hmm. journey and, um, Corey Malloy. I just, I put y'all together cause I love y'all's podcast, sure. <laughs> um, but I've seen Corey share pictures of, of mm-hmm. what she looked like, you know, five, 10 years ago versus how she looks now. Um, and it's amazing to see that y'all are not skinnier, but you mm-hmm. are well, and there is a look yeah. to you that is so fascinating to just look at. I've loved seeing Corey show hers. Um, she was like a CrossFit junkie. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see her and she's got feminine curves to her. She looks less masculine. Um, to see you, mm-hmm. there is a look in your eyes. Like there is a specific picture that you have shared multiple times of you holding your baby and you look like gaunt in your face. Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The wellness that mm-hmm. came back to you. But you didn't lose a ton of weight and this was where you learned to nourish. And I'm curious, like, what is that mindset on having a positive mindset towards your body in the process Mm -hmm. of healing it? Because this is not body positivity. This is learning to be positive about the process of healing. What was that like for you? Mm -hmm. And how have you kind of preached this message for women to understand that diet culture is killing you? Even though mm-hmm. you're a decaying person, it's killing you. Um, and it's not sustaining your life to be energetic for your family. Um, but by also saying, like, I gained weight. Like, this yeah. came on and I learned that I was actually suffering in this weight loss cycle. So, mm-hmm. anyways, take the take the rein. Yeah, I, you said all of that so graciously, just to affirm that. It, this is a tricky conversation to when you're, you know, coming onto a show with someone and you're like, talk about how you gained weight. And to say that graciously, you, you did, you did well with that. Um, but I love that you brought this up because I, you know, there's such beautiful things I think to, um, either end of the spectrum or story, you know, I think a lot of women, you know, finally figure out how to nourish themselves yeah. in a sustainable way. And they do find that some of their extra weight starts to go away. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, there are women like me. And like you said, Corey, who come into this approach, from a very undernourished state, um, I, you know, was, uh, again, speaking of, you know, wearing things like a badge of honor, my thinness to me was like the thing that I wanted to be known for. Like, I remember as a teenager just thinking, gosh, I would do anything to stay thin. Like, it doesn't matter what I have to do, what I have to commit myself to, I will do it. You know, I have willpower. Like, I will stay thin and beautiful (laughs) for all of my life. And so it just is the most ironic thing that I, of all people, kind of landed in this this realm and this journey and found such beautiful healing from it because, you know, I think one of the first things that women in our day and age have to do is come to grips with that skinny does not equal beautiful and skinny yeah. does not equal healthy in isolation. Can yeah. thin women be beautiful and healthy? Absolutely. I yeah. see it all the time. But this pursuit of like, I have to be thin Mm-hmm. to be beautiful. I have to be thin to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Those aren't, you know, exclusive things. And so I think yeah. once we start kind of letting go of some of these preconceived ideas that we have, you know, I try to tell women like your weight, when you are restricting and under eating and over exercising, that's not your healthy weight. That's no. your forced weight that yes. you have kind of put yourself into because of all your restriction. Mm-hmm. And so for years, I thought that my healthy weight yeah. was actually what my forced weight was. Yeah. And so once I actually started eating enough, 
um, I, I mean, I did start to gain a little bit and I think that was really necessary in my own process because, you know, weight gain for me, while I think a lot of the world and even myself at certain times, you know, we would look at that and think like, oh my gosh, it's the worst. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I never want to, you know, gain weight. I never want to be heavier than I am. But for me, gaining weight changed my life. It, it gave yeah. me my life back. Yeah. Um, it gave me vibrancy. It mm -hmm. gave me you know, hormone balance, it gave me energy, it gave yeah. me mental regulation. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Yeah. And I think that we really struggle with this in our in our modern era because, you know, our expectations of female bodies have changed yes. so much, even decade by decade. I mean, yes. 30 years ago, like the, you know, sort of twiggy, like yep. absolutely no curves. Like that's what we grew up, grew up with. Yeah. And now we're in the era of like Kim Kardashian, you know, yeah. everyone wants like butt implants and, uh, you know, there's a curvier woman kind of coming yeah. into the spotlight. And just, I mean, when you think about the pattern of how quickly that changes and how fickle we are as a society to just kind of bounce from trend to trend. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we have to start, you know, just tearing down some of those lies and like yeah. on paper, a healthy body fat percentage for most women is, you know, going to be between like 20% to maybe 30%, which yeah. hearing that number to a lot of people probably doesn't mean a lot. But when you think about these women who are, you know, in the limelight, like, like they're actresses, they're in, you know, <laughs> whatever the popular movie is like their yeah. body weight percentage is probably between like 10 and 15 percent yeah it's not very much yeah but we see that and we think oh that's what health looks like yeah like we see you know these celebrities that are like just totally wasted away but by society standards they're you know they're beautiful and they're thin yeah their body fat percentage is super super low and that's yeah. not sustainable for hormone health for reproductive health and so I think, you know, one of the first things that's just so important in this in this um, wellness pursuit is acknowledging that our society's standard of what wellness looks like for a woman is really, really skewed. Yeah. And it's not always accurate. And so I think that, you know, even for my own journey, like I think there are probably practitioners or even just random people who would look at my before and after mm -hmm. and because my weight has changed they would say like oh she was healthier before yeah but you know like you said when you start looking at my like you can just see it in you know in in your eyes and in your face like the mm -hmm. way that your life has changed and become different yeah. like someone who's looking for that vibrancy um, like I look back at my pictures and I used to, it was like a half smile, you know, it was like, you could tell I yeah. wasn't really genuinely happy. It was kind of just like a posed mm -hmm. picture. And like, I had everything, you know, like nothing catastrophic was happening in my real life. Like on paper, I should have been a perfectly happy person. And it's not that I, you know, didn't have joy in my life, but like, you can just see that there was restriction and like longing and, mm -hmm. you know, that I just didn't look fulfilled. And I just, yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, again, this is not everyone's story, but for me, getting to an appropriate, healthy weight range yeah. quite literally changed my life. And yeah. so I, you know, love to talk about this because I think that really so much of women's health, women's diet culture is just trying to make women, you know, smaller, more confined, like eat less, be less, shrink down. And I mean, and you now, think about even like these stone, you know, statues of like 
goddesses and like, you know, I mean, women just, you, I think of a woman and I think of like fertile and like voluptuous. And yeah. I mean, I think that's a representation of femininity, femininity in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's, there's just got to be so much more conversation around what does health actually look like for a woman? Because yeah. I think that a lot of us, you know, myself included needed to kind of let go of some of the notions that I had around what a healthy woman should look like. And I'm, you know, better off for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, <laughs> I think about all of the different things that we did grow up with. And um, mm -hmm. I saw something recently about every decade of eating and the body types that came with that. And this is a totally separate conversation, but um, with every generation came a different um, diet um, mm. and you see that the diets where a woman was well-nourished and she was eating, um, proper carbs, proper proteins, um, eating mm -hmm. enough, she had boobs and a smaller yeah. waist <laughs> and a big butt. She was an hourglass. She was beautiful. It was the Marilyn mm -hmm. Monroe era. Exactly. And then you get Twiggy. Um, my mom is naturally really, really thin. Mm -hmm. And one of my sisters is the same way as well. And uh, my mom's nickname in high school was Twiggy because that's when Twiggy was, you know, at her peak. And, um, and she hated yeah. it because that's what people like, she was mm -hmm. like, I, it's weird to be a person who's insecure about being skinny. Like, you know, there's so many different pieces sure. of that puzzle. And in college, Absolutely. my nickname was Kim K because my behind is so very large. And so <laughs> I have a very estrogen dominant body style, you know, it's sure. so interesting how it all comes into play. But the one thing that I think I've noticed the most is women who we are the ones with the most hormone imbalance and we are the ones being mm -hmm. preached to the most to eat less, eat less, yeah. exercise more. We have more health mm -hmm. issues. We have more mental issues. We have more problems because we are starving. And um, yeah. I told my husband the other day, you, you don't see as frequently, um, men acting insecure at, um, at a cookout or at a church potluck being mm -hmm. the first ones in line for food. Yeah. You don't really mm -hmm. see men sitting down with their plate of food and trying to come up with a reason as to like, well, I didn't eat a lot today. So I'm like, they're not trying right. to overcompensate. <laughs> they're not embarrassed at the size of their plate. Like they're just like, yeah, like I'm hungry and I'm going to eat. Mm -hmm. No one's saying anything to them, but women, mm -hmm. we have it in our faces. And it's just amazing how we have caught on to that and latched on to that to the point where the fear of gaining weight becomes such a crippling thing that we lose mm -hmm. all sight of the important thing. So I just, I appreciate yeah. your wisdom and your guidance in, in this conversation. And I appreciate your time in this Thank conversation. Um, something that I like to do as I wrap up podcast episodes is just ask the person that I'm interviewing, what is something that you're loving right now? And it can literally be mm -hmm. like a new brand of popcorn or, <laughs> or it could be something as great as like your favorite sweater, but just what is something that you're loving right now? That's just bringing you some joy. Mm, that's a great question. Man, I feel like I'm in a sweet season where there are so many things that I'm loving right now. And oh, that's good. such a gift to feel like, oh my gosh, how do I pick? Like, because that it's not always the case. We're not always in those seasons where things right. feel really sweet. I, I have just so appreciated lately 
simplicity. And I, I know that feels like a broad answer, but mm-hmm. we have just made a lot of changes in our life lately, you know, downsizing our home and our space and our things. And it's brought so much freedom to just, you know, cut out a lot of like noise and busyness and just kind of exist in this very slow pace of life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very like on brand with what I want to do, you yeah. know, with my messaging. Is it like, life is, you know, we're making it way too fast paced and we're yeah. making it way too difficult yeah. and we're prioritizing things that don't matter. And so, yeah. you know, for us to be in a season where we've really been able to step back and like, you know, put what matters at the forefront and yeah. let go of stuff and things and obligations, it's just been really, really beautiful. Oh, I love that. Well, Fallon, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your just joy in this episode. I have so enjoyed getting to talk to you. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Thank you for having me on. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending your time with me. It would mean so much to be able to connect with you on a more personal level. So reach out to me on Instagram at Laura underscore Jean underscore Bell, or check out my website, laurabell.co. If you have time to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would help me reach more people with the amazing news that there is hope in the days to come. Let's keep finding hope together.